Welcome to an episode 38 follow-up bonus deluxe episode. Uh, after we did our recording with Troy, I reached out to a couple of the other guys who answered the same blog questions back in 2009, John Petty and Zach Proctor, and we were able to get them to do a recording with us, and I wanted to present you guys with their answers. So first up, I'm going to have a quick conversation, about 40 minutes or so with John Petty, and then we'll wrap up the episode with Zach Proctor and I going through the exact same questions, the Horowitz questionnaire. Here are John Petty and Zach Proctor's answers to those 17 questions. So happy to have John Petty here with me today. Uh, longtime friend of mine, goes back about 20 plus years to our general cinema days. Um, first thing we usually talk about on our podcast is what we're drinking tonight. Um, right now I am drinking, uh, actually I'm going to, I also double fisted a lot on these podcasts. So. <laughs> I, uh, I have gone with two um, of the Freedom beers from Revolution Brewing in Chicago. Uh, Freedom of Expression right is a strawberry sour, and Freedom of Press is a black currant sour. So I'm rocking with those this afternoon. What are you going to be drinking? I am drinking a red velvet cake pastry stout from Black Circle called U-Haul to Jamaica. Oh, well, that sounds absolutely delicious. How is it? It's excellent. It's one of the best things Phillips ever brewed. Oh, so Awesome. Coffee beans, vanilla, hibiscus, lactose, and cacao nibs. Ooh, that sounds real and nice and creamy. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Oh, man, I'm jealous. I got to get down there and try one of those. You get the coffee right up front, but it's not super strong. Right on. Uh, I'm hoping that's not a frosted mug. I know we've had huge debates over frosted mugs. Not anymore. It's pretty warm up here in my okay. attic. So <laughs> not my first. So Nice. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. You are on here because um, we are talking about what uh, is being called the Hurwitz Questionnaire. Uh, it's 17 questions that our friend Troy put up on his blog back in 2009 when we were all blogging. Um, and it's just 17 questions that Josh Hurwitz uh, asked directors in the book that he wrote. He would interview a director and at the end he would ask them these 17 questions. So Troy challenged all of us blogging friends of his to answer all those questions also. Uh, Jason and I have already talked to Troy, and now I'm going through and talking to some of the other people that answer those questions. So I'm happy to have you on here to give us your answers. And then let me know if they hold up today, 12 years later, if you still feel the same way about your answers. So okay. question, question number one, what was the first film you ever saw? That is a good question, and I don't recall, which is what I said last time, but... Mm -hmm. There's a story that I vaguely remember my mom talking about, about taking me to see The Empire Strikes Back in a theater when I would have been maybe five. Mm -hmm. And apparently I was so enraptured by the film that I kept sticking my arm into the bag of Cheetos they snuck in. And it was <laughs> the, the arm was orange all the way up by the time we finished. That's that awesome. Might, that, that might be apocryphal. I don't really know, but <laughs> that's the uh, way. Jason and I both don't remember either but we both have stories about return of the jedi being our first movies so very much star wars themed it seems like parents were really willing to take us to see star wars movies when we were kids yep um so the second question is what is your favorite movie of all time okay this one no longer holds up i said usual suspects the last time which is a great answer i can't lie like that's that's one of my favorite movies of all time it's a fine movie and i loved it when i saw it because i'm not one of these people who Spent, who, who sits there watching a the movie trying to figure out what the twists are. I prefer the twists to come to me and, you know, knock me out. And the one at the end certainly did. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, and especially when I put it up against like Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, 
films like that, Silence of the Lambs from the 90s, it, it doesn't hold up quite as well. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that question, but I would probably go with Silence of the Lambs. Okay. All right. So um, the next question, number three, what is your favorite line from a film? <laughs> First time I said pain don't hurt from Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. which I still jokingly refer to as the greatest line in the history of cinema, although of course <laughs> it's not. Sure. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I have a non-tongue-in-cheek answer to this one either, okay. but I do really like the speech that Red gives in voiceover toward the end of Shawshank where he talks about some birds are, aren't meant to be locked up because their feathers are just too bright. And that's, how he, that's great dialogue. How he guesses he just misses his friend. Uh, you also back in 2009 had a, a second place answer. Do you want to you want to say what that one was? Oh shoot, I don't remember that one. Um, what was it? Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, uh, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, that one's all right. It's 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 silly, but it's yeah. a good one. Anytime you get motherfucker twice from Sam a... Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next question was. What film made you realize, uh, hold on, what film made you realize that film was an art? Back to Silence of the Lambs on that one. I went to see that with some friends in high school at the old Lowe's Cherry Tree Theater, which no longer exists. Nice theater. I wasn't old enough to get into it, but they let me in anyway. I was really into just grisly, bloody horror movies at the time. Before you you get too far, I feel like that was kind of like their MO down there because that's definitely the theater I would go to before I was 17 (laughs) and watched a lot of R-rated movies there and never got carded also. I I didn't go to a whole lot of movies in theaters before I started hanging out with friends in college who worked at Eastgate. Right on. So I didn't have a whole (laughs) lot of experience. I I watched Silence of the Lambs the first time and it, it just... It worked on a level I had never had a movie work on before. So I had a friend in high school who had taped it off of Showtime or HBO or something. And I borrowed her videotape all the time. Nice. Watched it over and over and over again. And what I didn't realize, I I was absorbing all the sorts of things that Jonathan Demme was doing directorially in that. But I didn't realize it until I watched Philadelphia a few years later. Okay. And realized that so many of the things he was doing in Philadelphia, he had also done in Silence of the Lambs. And it just, it knocked me out. And Demi was a pretty solid director. I really like him. Uh, The next question. Oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, What movie do you consider to be your guilty pleasure movie? My answer last time was Rad, which was an 80s movie about BMX biking. Set in Indiana. Was it really? I believe it was either set in Indiana or filmed in Indiana. I wanted to, I know it has an Indiana connection. I didn't know that, but that makes it even cooler. Uh, it was filmed like a, down a little five or something, I feel like. Cool. I, I just remember really <laughs> enjoying the bike race and the, the lead up to it and everything else. And I don't know if it still holds up. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Sure. I would also consider Forget Paris, which oh. my wife and I saw on our first anniversary of when we were dating before we got nice. married. And nobody else likes Forget Paris, but it's sort of nope. become our movie now. That's awesome. And another one, again, I don't have a, a, a firm answer, but I, I might also think of Sergeant Bilko, the Steve Martin film. Oh, yeah, definitely don't like that one. Nobody likes, but nah. silly enough that it, it worked. So uh, you made a comment on here back in 2009 that it was sadly not available on DVD. So I want to make sure that you're aware that if you have Showtime, Rad is on the Showtime apps or channels or however people watch Showtime nowadays. And 
It is available to buy digitally, although it's a pricey $15 in the Apple store. So, <laughs> I did not know that, but I don't have Showtime. Mm-hmm. I could probably get it from the Apple store. Yeah, so it's, it, again, it's a little pricey at $15. I try not to go over five bucks in the Apple store, um, yeah. but that's just me. I wait for stuff to go on sale there. All right. The next question was, who was you, who is your favorite movie character of all time? And I really like your first answer a lot. Last time I said either John Keating from Dead Poet Society or Crash yep. from Bull Durham. And yep. then also sort of in a silly fashion considered Clark W. Griswold from the Vacation Films. I don't know if any any of those hold up. Okay. They're, they're pretty good, but um, I also really like Rob Gordon from High Fidelity. Oh, for sure. And but I think what the answer would really be is if there had been a Sopranos movie before James Gandolfini died, I could easily say Tony Soprano. Okay, nice. Um, but my one thing when I, when I was rereading your answers and whatnot, and I got to thinking about based on this answer. So John Keating, obviously we only got him in one movie. Crash Davis, we only got him in one movie. Clark W. Griswold, do you think the fact that we have like four Griswold movies, does that help make him a better character that you can like, like more because you get more of him? Like, as I was thinking, like, could somebody say Harry Potter? Because they've got, like, eight Harry Potter movies that they could be like, oh, this is a great evolution of a character over eight movies. Or do you think somebody like John Keating, who only has a single movie, or like Ray Kinsella from Field of Dreams, like, those great characters, do you think, do you think they get lessened by other characters that get multiple movies? I don't necessarily think so. I think they're powerful enough in their own right. I I like the way Clark, I I like the way Clark is the same actor throughout, whereas the kids... Are different sure. than you <laughs> yeah. sort of see him sometimes looking at the kids like who are you guys yeah that, that is a fun shtick that they do with those movies i always really enjoyed that um so uh, this, will, this will be a fun conversation because well we're both drinking beer at the moment Indeed. and the next question is what is your favorite movie snack food well i would have to go with beer just like i did last time you yep. um uh, i can't enjoy it very much because i can't drink beer at my own theater Sure. But, uh, I, I do enjoy having a nice beer with the film. We the last time I had a beer at a movie was when we saw Free Solo at the IMAX. Oh, nice! It was very nice. Very cool. Uh, and so, like, even when I was thinking back over this question, because obviously Troy answered beer also, and then I was thinking back, and I was when I was thinking back, I was like, oh man, that was like really early when we could start getting beers in movies, and then I realized I was wrong that like ten years before we did this, like the late '90s, was when General Cinema started their like dine-in experience thing where you could get beer and wine while watching a movie so it's going oh yeah we're going over 20 years now that you've been able to get a beer at a movie and it's still not the first thing i think of granted i did recently go watch kong versus godzilla at a at a rival theater here in town and i definitely got you know two beers while i was watching that movie there and so it's kind of just normal now but like growing up that was never anything like i mean i answered red vines because red vines is what i remembered eating when I, well, after I met Dion, I ate a lot of red vines when I went to movies because <laughs> yeah. she liked red vines a lot. And so they were always around, but, um, so I, I respect your answer beer, but if you were to go back to your childhood pre beer, if you had to get a candy of some kind, I want to know what candy you would get. Might be Twizzlers and might be Reese's Pieces. Nice. Those are both really good answers. I always have a soft spot for Reese's Pieces. I always feel like a disgusting glutton if i go through a movie and need a whole box of them oh for sure well and they have one of the better uh peanut butter to chocolate ratios seeing how it's almost all peanut butter and just a very little bit of chocolate 
Yep. So yeah, Reese's Pieces are an amazing answer for that. Uh, next question. Who is your all-time favorite director? Uh, back then, I would have said Jonathan Demme for sure. Mm -hmm. And that probably is still close to the top. Although since then, I've seen quite a number of Jim Jarmusch and Kelly Reichert films. And I like both oh, of them quite nice. a lot. Uh, but I think, and I think one of those three is going to be the answer right now. If we do, if we come back in 10 years and do it again, uh -huh. I bet the answer will be Greta Gerwig. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's done quite a bit of good stuff in the last like five years. Yeah. Definitely rising. Uh, so I, I have a feeling I know what your answer to the next question is now. Who's the most impressive filmmaker working today? Mm, no, I don't think you're going to get this one. I said John Lasseter before. Sure. Uh, and when when this when Troy did the first questionnaire, it was right at the height of Pixar, Pixar with yep. Toy Story 3. Mm -hmm. uh, and they went on to make not quite, not necessarily lesser films, but they, I think they definitely peaked around yep. that point. And of course he got himself canceled. So that sort of yeah. tarnishes it a little bit, whether that's right or wrong. Sure. It, 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 it kind of removed him from the spotlight a little bit. Um, I could also maybe think of Kelly Reichert. Sure. Uh, I, I love I love her powers of observation. I love the way she lets a camera because she was trained as a photographer before she came a direct became a director, and just her her compositions just kind of let you look at what's happening without making a comment on it. And I, I think that works really well. I'd also love to say Wes Anderson just because of the way he creates these whole new worlds. See that, and I'm I'm sad to say I think Wes Anderson peaked with Rushmore, um, and really? I feel like it's been very downhill ever since then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan, but I just the the way he what what he creates when he makes a movie is is impressive. None of those are the right answer, though. And even sure. though I don't like this answer, what I have to say, I think, is Christopher Nolan. Oh, OK. I didn't I wouldn't guess that. I would have guessed Greta Gerwig based on your previous comment well, about in 10 years that you think that she'd be your she favorite have as much output she i mean she's only directed the two films so far sure. and both been fine but she's got a ways to go whereas chris nolan and i don't like big budget special effects films sure but what's impressive about him is that he can make utterly impenetrable films that everybody wants to see whether oh, they yeah. understand them or not they see them and they like them and he appeals to everybody on the spectrum and i think if you can make a movie and of course you're, of course you're going to make a, a movie you're going to make a hundred million dollars if your movie contains jennifer lawrence wearing nothing but paint sure. but also but if the movie stars joseph gordon levitt and leonardo dicaprio going back backward through their dreams and mm -hmm. still hundred million dollars you're doing something pretty impressive for sure uh yeah and i mean like i'm not a huge fan of interstellar but i mean it's the same it's the same thing that you're just talking about as subpar as interstellar is as a film like he makes it work for everybody that wants to see it um but yeah things like inception and tenant are just despite how somewhat complicated they are and i mean even memento if you go way back like i know a lot of people that didn't like memento because of its backwards narrative storytelling but like you can't deny that it's it's well acted and, and looks beautiful so yep. like yeah nolan is nolan is one of my all-time favorite directors and is definitely one that i had to change my answer to catch up with because i think i said jj abrams was the most impressive working 10 years ago and like i mean i uh jason said christopher nolan then and i said i had to agree with him even now that it's christopher nolan now yeah if he were still making little films like memento and insomnia i'd be all over it but the i, I just i've never been big on the special effects stuff 
Sure. Uh, so what qualities do the best directors share? I don't remember what I said last time, but I'm going to say this time observation, like I said about Kelly Reichert and attention to detail. Both. It's uh, kind of along the lines of what you said back then, you said an understanding that it's okay to just let the camera roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's a similar thing. I, I, I like, I like a, a little movie that tells a compelling story just through the force of the actor's will without computer effects or anything else. For sure. I just like the story to come alive to me that way. Um, so who is your all time favorite actor or actress? Ugh, my previous answer to this was awful and I will not repeat it. <laughs> I will repeat it. He, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, Henry Fonda is a great actor and 12 Angry Men and Grapes of Wrath are both phenomenal movies. Yeah. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of saying Henry Fonda. Now, if that's changed, like, cause, um, uh, one of the questions uh, when we when we were asked who our favorite movie character was uh, 12 years ago I had said that it was Sam from Love Actually like Liam Neeson's stepson and yeah. it's like I said that because I was hugely in love with Love Actually at that point in time like now that I've stepped away from it 12 years later like as much as I like that character that's not how I feel modern day so if you've changed on Henry Fonda since then it's okay and it's still a good answer for for him being who he is but yeah, who would you say it is now that part wasn't the awful part. The awful part was Laura Linney just because I liked the way she smiled. Oh, I see. Oh, I got you. Okay, I'm sorry. But I, I, okay. I do still like Tilda Swinton a lot, although she's become more performance art than actress at this point. Um, yeah. I still like Parker Posey, although back then it was mostly because of that stuff she was doing with Hal Hartley and Christopher Guest, which is kind sure. of the map. Um, if I were going to give you, I don't know that I have a real answer for this, but I have... I have something I can say that, that you're not going to believe and maybe nobody's going to agree with, but here we go. Okay, let me hear it. Will Patton. Oh, I mean, I watch Armageddon on a pretty regular basis, so I can't be mad about that. Every time I see that dude, I know he's going to bring me something that I'm going to like. No matter what he's in, he's, he's going to do something good. I also feel much the same way about J.K. Simmons. Oh, for sure, yeah. He's higher profile than Will Patton, but... I think Will Patton is just super, super solid in everything he does. Man, and I just saw him in something in the last couple of weeks, and I can't even remember what. I, and I don't even think it was like a new movie. I think it was something that I rewatched from like ten years ago, and I was like, "Oh, Will Patton's in this. That's really cool." And I can't even remember what it was now, but he was great in it. Um, all right. If if we were making a John Petty biopic, who would play John <laughs> Petty? It'd be the same answers as last time. If, if my life had been at all interesting, I'd say Michael Madsen. But at, at this point, I realize I'm just a regular guy and probably always will be. So I think it's got to be John Cusack. And there is nothing wrong with that answer because John Cusack, you let him grow out a beard and shave his head. He'd be a perfect John Petty. <laughs> I, can, I can see him nailing your mannerisms. I, I feel like you guys mirror each other life mirroring art. Yep. Uh, the last three are finished sentence questions. So the first sentence is, if I could remake one movie, dot, dot, dot. Last time I said I wouldn't mind seeing a musical version of The Relic, which was just a <laughs> flip answer. And you're talking about the 1997 like horror film, The Relic, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure, making sure there I'd wasn't some other movie I didn't know about. So, okay. Uh, that would I, be I love that movie. Um, I don't have a good answer this time, although I would like to see what was in Marcellus Wallace's briefcase and find out who shot Nice Guy Eddie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if somebody wanted to remake Tomorrow Drew or Byzantium, 
and cast me as a character who gets to interact with Gemma Arterton in any way or form, <laughs> I'd totally be in. She is, she is definitely a beautiful young lady. Yep. Second sentence. I never want to watch a movie with dot, dot, dot. Someone sitting near me who talks. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jason's answer was in the same similar realm where he was like, I don't want to watch a movie with anybody who's not there to watch the movie. Yeah. And it, it's been so many years since then. Um, I've been working at Keystone long enough now to know that I never need to see another movie about World War II or any movie with Judy Dench or Helen Mirren. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I'm just That's... completely desensitized to those. For sure. I, yeah, I've never been a war movie person. There's a couple that I find okay, but pretty much most generic war movies I just don't even waste my time with anymore. Yeah, they're fine. I just, we played so many of them. I sure. Just, I'm done. Very understandable. And the last question on the Hurwitz questionnaire is the perfect movie is dot, dot, dot. One that makes you want to watch it again immediately. That's what I said before. And I think it's still my answer now. And I, like I, I didn't watch the whole movie over again, but there was a Jim Jarmusch film about vampires with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston called Only Lovers Left Alive. I've heard of it. And I stayed after and watched that one night at Keystone. And at the end, the very last shot of the film is Tilda Swinton coming at you. Like she's like, like, the character, like you're seeing her come at you like she's going to bite you and drink your blood. Nice. It was very nice. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I bet. Not even kidding. I watched it, went upstairs, rewound it, and watched it again. Nice. Not the whole thing, but just that scene. That's the only oh, time just I've the seen Oh, okay. Uh, I, can think of, I can think of two movies that I've ever watched back to back. The first one was a long, long time ago. I watched the time travel movie Primer. Yeah. And it's a short movie, like 78 minutes or whatever. As soon as it was over, I was so like, like six cents in love with the ending where I was like, wait, what was going on during this movie? That I immediately started it again that night and watched it a second time back to back just because I wanted, when, once you know the twist of Primer and you can watch for the twist throughout the movie, it made it, a, it made it like I wanted to watch it immediately again. And then the other one was actually just last year, and it really just had to do with the fact that it was COVID, and I couldn't really go anywhere or do anything. But the night that I watched Palm Springs, I immediately fired up Palm Springs and watched it again because I just had so much fun. And it wasn't like the movie was a great movie that needed to be watched again. I just laughed so much and had such a fun time with the characters that I just put it on and watched it a second time. Yep. So those are the two of my movies that would fall into your category of what makes a movie perfect. So... It's been a blast talking to you today, man. Indeed, yes. It is, it is a pleasure to have movie knowledgeable people on here to have movie discussions, especially when we've got something that we can look back on from so long ago that like captured us, you know, mm -hmm. 12 years ago and what we thought about movies and then how it's changed now. Um, when we ended with Troy, Troy had made some comments throughout our talk that he doesn't love cinema the way that he did 12 years ago. So yeah. I wanted to pose the same question to you. Like when we were younger and we were so much more involved in like, you know, before, before our lives got what I would call complicated with families yeah. and kids and all that stuff. When we were just, you know, 12 years ago, you know, you were very early into your marriage. Like I was getting out of my second marriage or I was getting out of my first marriage. Like we were much different people back then. How do you feel about cinema now compared to then? Like, does it, I feel like it probably doesn't control your life as much as it did back then. Well, it never, it, it didn't much because I, I just, I didn't get into the habit after I stopped being the booth manager at okay. Keystone and started doing concessions. I didn't have to stay in tech screen stuff as much. And it got to the point that 
being there started to wear on me a little bit and I didn't want to be there later. Oh, okay. And starting something at 1130 or 12 o'clock is, you know, okay when you're 20 and not as much fun when you're 30, 35. Mm-hmm. Since we've reopened and we're only doing the seven o'clock sets now i can start movies at 9 30 or 10 o'clock and i've seen 38 wow. movies since we reopened Ooh, wow and you have a... years to get a, to get that kind of total i still love I, and i will always love watching movies good There's nothing nothing has changed about that i still think it's one of the best ways i can spend two hours is sitting in a dark movie theater and and watching a film that it's is just, awesome to hear so the I, I... context has changed a little bit I, I assume you are uh, very much on the side of like, we need to save our cinemas and cinemas need to be preserved and protected. Absolutely. I, I, I've never been a big streaming guy. I just never okay. got into, I just never got into that. I, I, I use my computer for reading and writing more than I do for watching videos and things like that. So it, it passed me by at some point. I don't okay. necessarily think it's a bad thing, but when you sit there in a movie theater, there's really no way to replicate that anywhere else. Sure. You can set up a home stereo system and you can get your speakers lined up with the acoustics and the whole thing and a big screen TV. It's just not the same. And I don't know that movie theaters are going to go back to the way that they used to be, but I think there's, I think there's a place for them. Sure. I well, and I, whenever Jason and I get into the discussion about this, I always, my theory on it, and unfortunately I've, I've started to, to veer this way in my life is that in the same way that we now have record stores here in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. I feel like we will get to the point where a movie theater is is much less common than the multiplexes that we grew up in. In the yeah. you know the nineties when the multiplexes boomed and there was you know we had twenty movie theaters here in Indianapolis all sharing product. Well, not all, but some of them sharing product and like you know it was just oh here's you know a twelve plex, here's a sixteen plex, here's another twelve plex. Like I feel like because all these big streamers are coming in and like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all these things doing straight to their streaming stuff because that's what kids now like like the like two generations below us now that's how they consume their their video content so going to the movies doesn't mean anything to them so yeah. much like a record store is kind of not common now but it's still there for the people who are diehard for it. I think that's what movies are going to end up going to. Yep. I think we're going to end up with like four movie theaters in a city, one on each side of town. And they're going to be big and busy and popular because all of the people who care about movies will still go there and support it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I feel like so many people are just wanting to watch stuff on their phones or watch stuff at home or be able to pause stuff and pick it up when it's convenient for them or whatnot. People who have families you know, you spend $70 in tickets to take your whole family to a movie and another $70 in food, you're looking at $150 a night just to go to the movies. Or we already pay for Disney Plus, we can all sit in the living room and order $20 or, you know, $50 worth of food. And it's still a third the cost of going out to a movie. So like, that's the other double-edged sword about movie theaters, in my opinion, is like, the cost of it is just so much for a family to go out that I don't think it's I don't think it's cost efficient for them when they already pay for Disney plus for their kids or something, or yeah. like, you know, last year, Netflix released it, like fi- released like 52 brand new original Netflix movies, like one a week last year, like wow. people who are looking for new content that don't want to spend any extra money. Like they're already paying for Netflix. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how like the AMC rewards program works out. I think Regal has a rewards program where you pay a monthly fee to go watch movies 
at the movie theaters now. Like, it's going to be really inter- interesting to see how movie theaters try to try to stay afloat with that. And like I said, I think we're going to see a lot of them start closing. I do too. So, so and, and it is a sad thing. I know I, I know in a lot of Jason and I talks, I discuss how I don't mind watching stuff at home anymore. Like I watched Mortal Kombat on Friday because I already pay for HBO Max. I want to watch something as soon as I can because I don't want somebody to spoil it for me on Friday night when they go watch Mortal Kombat and then put on their Facebook feed, oh, this kill in Mortal Kombat was so great. And then I'm like, oh, well, now I know that happens. Like I have, I have that like FOMO thing of like, I need to watch something before I get it spoiled for me. So when I woke up on Friday morning, I watched Mortal Kombat because I wanted to see it and not have it get spoiled for me. And I didn't pay a dime for it. I wouldn't have minded watching it in the theater. Like, and that's, that's the other benefit of, you know, our profession is that we don't, I mean, I've paid for maybe 10 movies in my life, like in the last 20 years, like I just either go to screenings or, you know, we watch them at the theater or we do whatever. So for the normal person though, like, I think it's not as cost efficient for them or their families compared to the streaming stuff they pay for. So when I, when I say that I'm afraid of, you know, movie theaters dying, that's not necessarily because I want them to but it's because I'm just trying to mentally prepare myself that that might be coming down the road. So, right. uh, So my last question that I'm going to ask for you before we wrap this up is what's the favorite, what's your favorite thing you've seen recently? Like, what did you see in maybe like the last year that really just made you happy and you really enjoyed it? I liked Mank a lot more than I thought I would. Good to know. That's on my list to watch soon. It was, I had avoided it when we reopened because it was so long. Okay. Uh, but we we played it the second time after nominations came out and ryan needed me to tech screen it okay. and I, it, it was just it was i don't know fun is the right word but it was awfully close to fun nice and i i david when you go back to the director question david fincher is another one that could possibly have been in that category um he, he just he has such a complete grasp over what he's creating in a different in a different way than wes anderson and gary Oldman <laughs> just Gary Oldman stop notching anything that he does. He just chews that scenery up. Nice. Uh, um, I also, I'm your woman, which I saw shortly after we reopened. It was a okay, crime okay. film set in the '70s with Rachel, and I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, but I'm going to try Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, okay. It was yeah, really. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, the movie that's like on my top of my list. I'm either going to watch it tonight or tomorrow uh, because it won Best Picture. Have you seen Nomadland? It was really good. I liked it Is a lot. Good? Nice. I'm, I'm national, really looking forward to that. I'm a national park geek, so the the scenes oh, nice. in Badlands, which is where we're going in June. Oh, cool. Loved. And it was, Ryan thought it was too interior, but I I liked, and, and if it had been anybody, anybody but Frances McDormand, it might not have worked that well, but because she has such a presence and can say so much just with a visual expression, it, it, it worked really well. I liked it cool. a lot. And then when I found out the Indiana connection with the one actress, Oh, that was really interesting too. Nice. A, I didn't even realize that. There's a character named Swanky in the film who's a woman okay. from Indiana. Nice. That's really cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. So hopefully I'm going to watch that this week since it did win Best Picture. Did you watch the Oscars at all? I watched part of it. I we watched some of it until Amy went to sleep, and then I just watched the rest of them come in on the IMDb feed. Oh, gotcha. Well, right I was on. I was surprised at the two lead acting awards. Sure. I thought sure that that was going to for sure Chadwick Boseman, and then. Best actress was way more up in the air, but that Frances McDormand wanted to really surprise me. I uh, uh, so my wife and I watched him that night, and uh, when Frances McDormand went up and gave like a ten-word acceptance speech and then walked off, my wife was like, "Wow, she really didn't care about winning." And I was like, 
that's the weird thing. Like two or three years ago when she won, she gave one of the best Oscar speeches I've ever seen mm-hmm. when she went up there. And so I was just like, I don't know what was going on with Frances McDormand then. I granted she had just been up on stage announcing or, you know, giving a speech for winning best picture, which that pissed me off entirely. That they didn't do best picture last. Like they, they have best picture last. They didn't do best picture last. Wow. Best picture was third from last. So when they announced best picture, I looked at my wife and I was like, Oh, Apparently, I missed Best Actor and Best Actress. Uh, that's weird because this is always what they do last. So, like, I, I got up and I started. I was surprised to the director so early. Agreed. Yep. Like, I, I can't lie. Whoever directed the Oscars this year or was the like supervising <laughs> producer or whatever, they they screwed the Oscars up this year. They were terrible. They weren't they, fun to watch. It was we, it was pretty miserable. But yeah, so they did Best Picture, then <laughs> Best Actress, and Best Actor was last. And then the worst part about it was, you know. I haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, so I don't know how good Chadwick Boseman was in there. I haven't seen The Father either, so I have no opinion on which one of those guys should have won. But Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there to accept it. So, like, yeah. literally, they announced Best Actor, and they're like, oh, the Academy accepts the award for Anthony Hopkins, and thanks, have a good night. And it's just like... It was a lock. It was one of the two locks before the thing started. Chadwick Boseman and Chloe Zhao. And... Mm. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, he was, Chadwick Boseman was good, really uh-huh. good in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There's a, I'm going to, I'm going to use a phrase called Oscar speech, which I hope makes some sense. It's the, there's a scene in those films where the guy who's going to get nominated goes through, he has his scene where he makes his case, you okay. know, for winning an Oscar. And his was a little bit over the top, but he, he was fantastic. The whole movie was fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I need to see that. Other was better than I thought it would be, but. I, I just I, so the trailer looks really good for the father. Is like is it gonna be worth my time when I watch it? Like like him and Olivia Coleman look like it looks very interesting on what the dynamic is and what's really going. I have a feeling there's some piece of, of the story that I don't get till later on because like it's trying to make me not know if Anthony Hopkins or Olivia Coleman is really in the wrong. Like, is that how the story plays out? No, no it's not that it's more the way they present the his character okay suffering from dementia the way that they construct that okay that that was the surprising part that i mean you you see the trailer and you know what it's about but you don't really know how they're going to get from point a to point b and the way that they did that i thought was really interesting and there's places in there where it's almost scary really oh that makes me even more the way they set it up the way they set up what's happening is almost frightening nice i'm not sure i liked it but it was way better than i thought it was gonna be cool well that is great we played the trailer for a very long time and the trailer (laughs) tiresome but the film the film did more than i thought it was going to and i was i was impressed awesome that is great to hear all right well i guess we can go ahead and wrap up now i really appreciate your time on this i'm sure we will figure out some way to get you back on here in the future to talk about something else uh a lot of a lot of other people that you know, like Jason Richardson, has been on here a couple of times. Troy just made his uh, debut on here and has demanded that we bring him back for more episodes. So uh, I'm sure we will find somewhere in the future to bring you back because I mean it's been a pleasure talking about movies with you, man. Has been a lot of fun. You ought to get Ryan to do this. I, I don't know if he answered the questions the first time, but man, he here's a crazy thing about that. Information that here's a crazy thing about that. I swear to god that like a month ago when i started looking into this when jason suggested it i thought that ryan commented on somebody's one of our like five posts i thought ryan commented with his answers so i planned on having him on here 
But when I went back to find his answers to like screenshot them and send them to him and be like, hey, remember when you did this? I want to get you on a Zoom call and talk about it. I, I can't find Ryan's answers. Hmm. So no, I, I, don't I don't know what happened. Started doing his blog. He, it may not have been. He may have started after we did this. I don't remember, but. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think it was on his blog. I thought he commented, like, like Zach commented on Troy's blog and gave his answers. Yeah. The same way, I thought that Ryan had just commented on, like, Jason's or mine or yours or somebody's with his answers because I thought I remembered reading them because much like Troy's, they were a bunch of things I'd never heard of. Yeah. And I just <laughs> can't find them. So I, I would love to have Ryan. Second, but I, I may try to look for that, too. Yeah, if you find it, please pass it along to me so I can so I can hit him up and, and get him to do another mini episode with me or something. But yeah, uh, Ryan would be a blast to have on here also. Yeah. All right, man. I'm sure we will talk to you soon. Thank you for all your time today. All right. Thanks, James. Have a good one, man. Welcome to some bonus content for episode 38 of Shane Talks. I'm joined by Zach Proctor. Probably, I think you're my oldest friend that I have. You, you surpassed Jason by just a little while. We, we all met. Bit in eighth grade, but you and I lived uh, literally like five houses down the street from each other. So you and I hung out and spent a lot more time together in eighth grade. So absolutely, you are basically my oldest friend that I still have. And I mean, you've been a huge movie dude in my life. You've been a part of all 17 film projects that I've ever made in some capacity. You worked on all 17 of those projects with me. Um, and yeah, so we've got, we've got, we've worked together at movie theaters. We worked together at video stores. We, uh, we have a pretty long history of, of hanging out in friendships. So I am honored and it's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, the first thing we usually do on our podcast is we talk about what we're drinking tonight. Uh, I tend to double fist it on these episodes because I talk a lot and I drink a lot. Um, so tonight I'm doing two sours from Revolution Brewing in Chicago. I am doing Freedom of Assembly, which is a blueberry sour. And then I am doing um, a Freedom of Speech, where they spell speech like peach. Uh, and this is a peach sour. Uh, so I'm, what are you, what are you, what are you drinking? New Belgium. Nice. I have the uh, Voodoo Ranger um, IPA at 9%. Oh, it's the Imperial version. Yes. Imperial. Yes. Nice. And then, and then I also, you know, like, uh, I like to do a little bit of wine, so Shiraz. Oh, you know, so. I think you're the first person, you're the first guest I think we've ever had that's drank wine on an episode that I can remember. Well, you know. So cheers to you for that. To each his own. Yeah. So we're going to get into this. Uh, I have already talked to Troy Myers, Jason Mayer, uh, John Petty, and now I'm talking wait, wait, to Troy you. Troy was before me. Troy, well, Troy started this whole thing, if you remember. Troy was the one that put up the very first blog that challenged all the rest of us to answer these questions. So I had to make Troy first. So mm. Jason, Jason answered it. Uh, John Petty answered it. I was honestly the last person to answer it. Uh, you answered it before I did. So tonight we're going to talk about your answers to these 17 questions that we have we have come to call them around here the Hurwitz questionnaire. Uh, Josh Hurwitz was the one that wrote these questions in his book. So we are naming the questionnaire after him. Um, we've decided to take these 17 questions and anytime we have guests on the podcast in the future, uh, we're going to do kind of like an inside the actor studio thing and make them answer all these questions at the end of uh, our episodes. So it's gonna be a fun thing that we're gonna we're gonna milk as much as we can going forward. All right, so let's start talking about your answers to these questions. And the first question was, what was the first film you ever saw? Uh, Star, yeah, it was Star Wars. Uh, I think it was Return of the Jedi. 
Okay. Uh, both Jason and I had that as uh, our answers also. So mm-hmm. it sounds like we all had parents that took us to see Star Wars movies when we were when we were younger. Yeah. I'm pretty uh, sure so I saw I think pretty sure I saw it at Easter. Nice. Uh, so since that's a question that can't really have an answer change to it, that's gonna stay uh, as your answer. Um, the next question was what is your favorite film of all time? Um, I gotta go with Star Wars. The the being exposed to it at such a young age and and just it's just something that's always stuck around it's never anytime it's on tv it's one of those movies i watch i make my kids watch it um it just uh is one of those films that just is part of my life nice um i have you know several versions of it on vhs i have it on dvd i have it on blu-ray um so yeah that's definitely awesome. star wars very cool. Uh, and that's what you said back then. So your answer still stays the same, stands up. All right. So the, the question number three, what is your favorite line in a film? So I think, yeah, I think my original one was, uh, uh, hey, bartender, Joe Boo needs a refill. Yes, it was. Uh, that's, <laughs> I still use that line, you know. Nice. And uh, besides uh, Major League being a great film, that that definitely is still for sure. Uh, Troy's answer to this was another quote from Major League, and so when Troy, Jason, and I were talking, we just got on the tangent of how quotable Major League is, just all mm-hmm. over. It's got tons of great quotes in it. Oh yeah, it's just one-liners all day. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number four. Or, or let me ask you: Does that still hold up? You still think that's your favorite line from a film, or is something else taken over? Yeah. No, I, I, th- I think it is, yeah. Okay. So question number four is, what film made you realize that film was an art? And you right. gave a really nice answer, in my opinion, uh, back in 2009, because you said it was uh, Consternate, uh, was which was the film, that, the film that Jason and I wrote and directed together and that you were around for the majority of it. And I don't know if you were just trying to be nice to me back then or if your answers changed, if you have a better movie now. Like, I, I won't be offended, but you you did say that Jason and I's directorial and writing debut was your your film that made you realize it was art. Why was that? And is, does that hold up? Yeah, I think, you know, when you don't really think about it, uh, films when you're, you know, traditional movie theater setting, you don't really think about it. It's all subconscious. There's, um, it's just, you're just watching a moving picture and the sound, you don't really pick up on the subtle things. Um, uh, and the nuances of, of how a picture is actually made. There's a lot of hard work. It's not just, you know, I, I've got an iPhone right now. I can make a movie. We were using, you know, tape and hundreds of, do- you know, just, just you know, cassette recorders or whatever for audio. You know, you don't, you don't realize how much goes into it, how many people you need. And it really becomes more um, than just a picture on a screen when you're involved with it. So, yeah, I think constantly really showed the level of, uh, organization required, you know, simple logistics, things like that, um, <clears throat> that, you know, uh, really puts the art together, right? So have you seen anything since 2009 that makes you think our uh, film is art more than oh, yeah. they did? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Russian okay. art. <laughs> oh, Russian art, okay. I, I mean, do believe we're going to get to talking to that film here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, um, so you said so, consternate. That makes me really happy. I like I said earlier, we appreciated all your hard work and everything you put into all the projects we did, starting with consternate. So yeah. uh, you definitely, you know, went off and pursued 
you know, making film as art as a as a college career for a while. Correct. Yeah, I, so I that, was, that was pretty awesome for you to, um, to watch still, you go do I, that. I still wish I could uh, dedicate more time to it, but you know, um, my life <laughs> my life yeah. kind of veered a different direction. But yeah. I still utilized a, a lot of the skills I learned from that. You know, I still every once in a while get to go out there and dabble and make make some stuff. So that's uh, awesome, not, man. So yeah. Uh, so the next question I, was. What do you consider your guilty pleasure movie? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because when, when you sent me the when we talked about doing this, you sent me the the original questionnaire, and I put uh -huh. in the Thirteenth Warrior, and it was funny because I just watched Thirteenth Warrior. It was one of those where I was like, I don't know, it was a Hulu or Netflix or one of them, mm -hmm. and, and I was like, oh, Thirteenth Warrior, I haven't watched this in a while. And I'm just for like, a reason because it's terrible. garbage it's just hot garbage yeah but you you draw words that stick you know like <laughs> yes i can write you know just, and it's so sad like because that movie was written uh by john mctiernan and yeah. or i'm sorry it was directed by john mctiernan written by michael Crichton, and mm -hmm. like it was filmed so i think it came out of like 99 but i think it was actually filmed in like 96 when everybody knew it was complete garbage so yeah. it just sat on a on a uh, on a you know a film can you know uh back lot somewhere just sitting there all of a sudden in 98 mask Zorro comes out and antonio banderas blows up so that studio was like oh well we have an antonio banderas movie we can release right now and cash in on his name and that's how 13th warrior saw the light of day and it was just terrible ah nothing really good and also the people in, you know and and well you know like well, michael craig wrote it but he also you know congo also sucked too yeah <laughs> yeah they really sadly most i mean jurassic park is is an amazing movie obviously mm -hmm. but then even like the lost world was a terrible adaptation like uh congo was a bad adaptation sphere was a bad adaptation like it just Hollywood doesn't get Michael Crichton right very, very much. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Have you seen anything that you would consider a guilty pleasure movie you like more than that? Or is that still is that still your go-to guilty pleasure oh, movie? Oh, no, no. I mean, I it's got to be... Um, oh, <laughs> this is terrible. Why can't I... Why can't, uh, Deadpool. Oh, I, you, you can't call Deadpool a guilty pleasure, man. That movie's awesome. I... <laughs> Everybody, everybody likes Deadpool. Deadpool was awesome. You can't consider that a guilty pleasure movie. Well, I mean, it's just so raunchy. You know, it's like one of those raunchy films. Like, like, uh, and I love it because uh, TBS, like, like at seven o'clock, will put in all the dirty words. You know, when it's on TV, oh, nice. swear words. You know, and I'm like, ah. And then when you watch <laughs> it without without the the swear, you know, without the cussing, it's like this movie's terrible. I can't even imagine. I recently, like, about two weeks ago, watched the. Uh, I finally bought the box set of Clerks that has the TV version of Clerks on it, which oh. like I've seen all the different other iterations, like the extended edition and all these other versions of Clerks. I'm no, sorry, not Clerks, Mallrats. Uh, Mallrats. And I had never seen the TV version of Mallrats. So oh. I sat down and watched that and it was just bonkers. Like mm -hmm. hearing all the ADR that they have to do to, I mean, half the movie is not even there. Like the stuff that they cut out and all the dialogue they had to change. Yeah. Like it is it is a vastly different movie. I, I think, yeah, as far as guilt, I, I mean, I think uh, Eliminators is still still up there. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, and, you know, movies that I remember when I was growing up, like Ice Pirates. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those. Never heard uh, of that. Huh, you've never heard of Ice Pirates? Oh, 
just like really bad 70s and 80s sci-fi where oh, it's okay. just you know it was it was like maybe after uh just on that cusp of like like they could do some stuff you know <laughs> like okay. with film the cgi everything looks really it's not like you can see the wires it's not like 50s but like 70s and 80s sci-fi bad okay. side, probably always been a guilty pleasure of mine jason romberg and i used to oh um, nice we used to go to like the video store because you could rent like five movies and if you returned it within 24 hours you got to rent two more movies so we just like watch movies on that's where i, I did a whole adapted my fast forward watching movies <laughs> and fast forward like we just sit there and be like oh this is terrible you know? <laughs> just kind of fast forward through parts yeah no that's awesome all right the next question is who is your favorite movie character of all time back in 2009 you said duke from gi joe now I'm, uh, I have a feeling that's probably not going to hold up because I, I feel like I don't, I don't know where that came from when you answered it in 2009, but I feel like there's a lot better characters for you to pick from. So, uh, so who would you say right now today is your favorite movie character of all time? In the same spirit of Duke, it's got to be Mike Banning, right? Mike oh, Banning uh, or Jason Bourne? Uh, from the Olympus Has Fallen and like yeah, uh, Angel. Uh, he's like yeah, yeah, Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, you know, he's like London the, has fallen, Angel has fallen. Yeah, okay. I was yeah. trying to remember what the three movies were. Okay, Mike Banning's a good choice. I like that. Or you said Jason Bourne? Or yeah, someone like Jason Bourne. They're like the new G.I. Joes, right? You know, like Jason Bourne would be more of a, you know, um, <laughs> um, all American. But yeah, I always like Mike Banning. I thought uh, watching, I, I can watch those movies all day long too. Man, that first one is, is honestly flawless in my opinion. The Olympus mm-hmm. has fallen and just like what he does inside the White House, like. Yeah. So some of those fight sequences are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and exactly. thank God that one was rated R. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that movie. That movie was a. Uh, it was just. Uh, it had a. It had a good. Good opening. Great cast. You know, everybody in it was really good. Yeah, that. That's a solid. So I'll take Mike Banning as a really good answer from you with a with a subtle Jason Bourne thrown in there too. <laughs> Granted, I'm kind of bitter towards the Bourne franchise just because I read the books and loved them, and I like the first movie okay, but. They pretty mm-hmm. much just ruined the entire franchise after that, in my opinion. Oh, they Hollywooded it up. Come on. They definitely Hollywooded it up. They killed at the beginning of the second movie, they killed off a character who is super important in the third book, like to the point where you couldn't do the plot of the third book because they killed her off. Like just Uh-oh. completely pissed me off with that second movie. All right. So the next question is what is your favorite movie snack food? Hmm. See, it's funny. I, I want to say popcorn. That's what you said uh, in 2009. I mean, I, I know I love I love popcorn. What, what we do now is like it's really weird. Like every Friday night we do family movie night and I, I make microwave popcorn for the girls because that's what they like. And then I, I kettle I stove cook corn, you know, like in, in a, whirl, yeah. kind of a whirly jig or whatever. And I, for my for Jenny because she likes it that way. So I, I I love I actually still love making popcorn. I just don't. So you well, so hold on. So you make so your kids. I, I'm trying to figure this out. Your kids want microwave popcorn, like in the bag, pop 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 in the in the microwave itself. And then for you and Jenny, you make you make stovetop popcorn. Like, yeah. is that what I, is that okay? So why don't you just force your kids to eat stovetop popcorn and just be like, this is real, this is daddy making real popcorn instead of Orville Redenbacher making it in the microwave. Well, first of all, my daughter loves Orville Redenbacher. She played it <laughs> in Famous People of Indiana. She had to dress up like Orville and give a presentation. Oh. So she loves Orville. Okay. Uh, I think 
I don't know. I just don't want a bunch of angry kids on family moving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I would be like, Daddy used to pop this in the movie theater. We're going to eat Daddy's popped popcorn at home from now on. I know. <laughs> I, I love it. So, yeah, it, it's still popcorn. Yeah. Um, next question is, what was what is your favorite director of all time? Now, back in 2009, you said Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Does that I mean, hold it's, up? It's still got to be Kubrick. Um, okay. Just, I mean, he, the guy was just a visionary, right? For sure. You know, like that, that, that's not a bad choice at all. Like he has a amazing yeah. resume of films that he did. Some of the some of I, the best movies in their genres, and he transcended genres. You know, you've got 2001, that's a space film. You've got The Shining, that's a horror psychological thriller film. You've got A Clockwork Orange, which is completely psychological. You've got um, uh, Doctor Strangelove, which is political, like. The guy did all kinds of genres. Like he was never pigeonholed into one, like doing one single genre. So there's there's no arguments. With I mean, me you about could pick up, you know, some, you know, French or German, you know, somebody who does, you know, something like, you know, riveting or like uh, was it, you know, like or even like Sir, Sergei Eisenstein, you know, like the political, like you know, a political um, film filmmaker. But yeah, like you said, like Kubrick could do it anything and he and the best part is like he knew his limitations too because remember he didn't he um gave up ai right like he was uh, a really big but he's like i don't have the time and i don't like dealing with kids right (laughs) like like he's just i don't have the time to make this movie and i don't like kids (laughs) that's basically what he said yeah Uh, it was was a great choice by him too huh it was a good choice by him i mean granted we got a really shitty version of it, you know, in 2000 and 2001 when Steven Spielberg decided to make that movie. But mm-hmm. I mean, can't blame that on Kubrick. That's just Spielberg yeah, I, doing a Spielberg admit, movie. Though, there, were, there were some Kubrick inspired scenes, like the whole when he was uh, uh, walking through the uh, 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 the steps, the whole oh, track yeah, and shot. Yeah. Like there were some very Kubrick esque elements in there. But you know, you know that would have been such a much darker film if Kubrick had actually done it. Oh, yeah. Like, that was so Spielberg-ized, like, with the kid and with that. Like, it would have been so much darker and, like, just a more sinister film than what they ended up right. making it. Absolutely. Uh, so the next question is, who is your favorite director working today? Besides Shane White? <laughs> that director ain't working right now. <laughs> That director's doing a podcast and trying to <laughs> trying to survive the pandemic. <laughs> but I appreciate the call out. That was very nice of you. Yeah. Uh, Shane you White know, hasn't made a film in like you know 15 years now. Well, you know, still working today. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I'm just trying to figure uh, out. Well, back in 2009, you said Alexander Sukarov. Right, uh, for Russian Ark and Mother. For Russian Ark, wow. yeah. Is that still? Does that still? I mean, I like I said, I know we were going to talk about Russian Ark at some point. I know, I know, no, I know. Russian Ark, it. and it's a good movie. One of those, um, that was like a Troy thing, right? Like I'm that, sure it was. That's right up Troy's alley. Um, I mean, he let me. Um, I watched Russian Ark, and I was like, just like, oh my god, it's all you know. One of those things where it's like, oh, it's all one take. What's the big deal? It's like, uh, that's a huge deal. Yeah, <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's movie. not it's not just like time code where it's you know a non-stop thing but it's just people walking around new york city like this is massive one-shot takes that you look at it and go how how do they pull that off without you know cutting yeah and you know they did what is it they took they had 46, two false starts did they have two that? false starts 
think they had two false starts, or was it three? I forget. Oh, I thought this was the one that it was like 46 takes or like 46 days of filming before they got the perfect take on it or something. Well, I think I think there's a lot of hurt. Like there was a there was like a lot of like going and then point of no returns. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like I mean, just something like uh, I mean, all I do is watch kids' movies, right? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of like uh, is it like a Christopher Nolan or something? Christopher no Nolan would be a great choice. That's that's yeah, my choice I mean, for right now. His his films always blow me away. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be somebody like that. You know. Um, uh, that's still still going around. So yeah, I'm gonna say Christopher right. Nolan. The next question is: What quality do the best directors have? Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, the the vision of telling a story, right? You know, you can you can be a great technical director, you know, like um, like a Fuqua or something, you know, like all those, you know, like just just a technical skill or or what. Um, but if you don't have like really great vision and you're not, and you, you can't explain the story well, then, then you're, you're kind of doomed to fail. Yeah. Uh, back in 2009, you, you kind of said the same thing. You said that uh, a director understands that a story is told visually and that it must be created by, uh, by, or it must match the feeling created by the sound, the music, the dialogue, mm -hmm. and that the style is substance. Which uh, it looks like back then you stole from Troy. It looks like it was a line from Troy that you stole from him. Yes, <laughs> that was that was probably very accurate. You know, because it's funny because I was looking at those those answers. I'm like, man, I didn't say that. <laughs> There's no way I came up with that. I'm not I'm not that gifted <laughs> with the wordage. Um, but no, I I think it still sticks. I mean, regardless if I'm quoting Troy or not, I think it's one of those things where For you sure. can have directors who technically know the business. They know you know, what they, what shots they want, or they know how to get the shot, you know, they know, but if you can't, if that's all you're, you're concerned about, you're missing the point, right? Regardless of how good it looks, you know, it could be grainy, it could be crappy looking. And as long as it, like, look at um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? You know, you know, probably not the best directed, you know, director in the world, but did it get its story across? It was gritty, it was raw, you know? And that was part of the substance of the movie. Yep. Uh, so the next question is one that you and I actually shared the exact same answer on. Uh, well, at least in 2009, we did. Uh, who is your favorite actor or actress of all time? Oh, man, I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't remember reading that one. Uh, favorite actor or actress of all Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah, yeah. I was Jimmy, thinking Stu Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I was thinking Jimmy. I was thinking you? Jimmy Stewart. Um, Does that still hold up today? I think there's, there's not. I I think it was just like in that time. I mean, that was like the golden age. I mean, yeah. I, um, I mean, he has he has a super impressive resume. Like he did a lot of amazing films. He worked with Hitchcock, you know. He did It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like he's he's got a huge resume of all top-notch, super great classical movies. Uh, so I said that it still holds up to me, even though he's probably not my favorite actor right now. Like my probably not like my personal favorite right now at this moment. But overall, like for his entire body of work, I probably think he is the best actor of all time. 
Yeah, there's there's not many. There's not many people. I mean, his range and his breadth is like beyond compare. You know, I could think of some others, like even like a Tom Hanks. Sure. Um, you know, is 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 in that category just because of the range of characters he's played through over the years. He definitely followed the times, and oh, yeah. um, you know, he did he did the, you know, the campy stuff that you know he kind of was suited for. But he's also does great character pieces now. Um, there's not, I mean, he played Mr. Rogers and he nailed it, yep. you know? Um, so he held his own against a, you know, a volleyball, uh, <laughs> but he also jumped into a volcano, you know? And well, and now see, it kind of sounds like right now you're answering the next question because the next question is who is your favorite actor or actress working today? Yeah. And so you just made a huge argument for Tom Hanks. However, in 2009, your answer was Gary Oldman, who is still a fantastic answer. Yeah, but he's kind of pigeon pigeonholed into like the the Ukrainian villain, right? <laughs> like he's he's not playing Jamaicans anymore. No, um, no, no, no. But I mean, like, I mean, he just you know was in Mank this last year, so he was what? playing Herman Mankiewicz. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gary Oldman has proven that like you literally don't know what he really looks like because in every movie he looks different. Like he right. is he is a chameleon of an actor and and, mm-hmm. and absolutely phenomenal. Um, I would probably change that to Tom Hanks. To I Tom really Hanks now? I think I, Tom I, Hanks I can buy that. has uh, stood the test of time. Um, that's, I mean, I still love Gary. I mean, anything he's in is phenomenal. For sure. But, um, right. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, Jimmy Stewart for the whole time and all current time. Tom Hanks. Nice. I like that. The next question. If Hollywood was making the Zach Proctor biopic, who do you want to be cast as, as Zach Proctor? Skinny Johnny, Jonah Hill. That's that's I'm not gonna lie. Like Jonah Hill is exactly what I was thinking. Like back in the day, you said Sean Astin, and like that, that's an okay choice. Like Sean Astin, yeah, Sean Astin is still still good. There's nothing know? wrong with Sean Astin, but you know, since 2009, we've seen a huge range of of Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. both in size and in acting quality. So yeah, I, think, I definitely could see Jonah Hill playing you. Like yeah. that would be a lot of fun. We have three sentences now that we need you to complete. Uh-huh. The first sentence, if you could remake one movie, dot, dot, dot. If I could remake one movie. Oh, man. Sorry. Uh, You're good, man. Think about it. Uh, back, in, back in 2009, your answer was, that would be like painting over the Sistine Chapel with flat black paint. So I feel like back in 2009, you weren't very interested in remaking any movies. No, no, I, I probably wasn't because it, it's when when you're involved, like, like, are you going to have somebody remake Constantine? No, I mean, Jason and I have talked about remaking it, literally using the exact same script from, from 2000 and uh, not letting the kids have any cell phones or anything. But that's, but, but that's you, that's you working on your own painting. What I'm sure. saying is. No, I would never Dave have somebody Lichty, else remake Dave Lichty comes in and remakes Consternate. Nah, I wouldn't let that happen. So, so <clears throat> I think, I think the. Um, you know, the easy answer is like, oh, it's the same. You can't remake somebody else's work. But if, if somebody were to come out and like remake something, um, something that I'd like to see, uh, maybe like a, you know, maybe like a 13th warrior or something. No. Oh, okay. Like, I wouldn't think Take, take your so guilty pleasure though. movie and try to get a little bit better out of it. Um, you know, you know what, actually, I'd like to see remade. It's really like something with a modern, it's like with the modern technology. Um, is Time Bandits. 
something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, shitting on Terry Gilliam, huh? Well, not really. I'm just like, hey, if, if you know, if he had an Apple IIe, you know, then, <laughs> you know, now he's got, you know, Skywalker, how much different would that movie be that's that's a good idea that that would be interesting to watch second sentence for you to complete i never want to watch a movie with dot 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 people i totally agree with you on this i hate working working in the theater completely ruined me yep because going even with the recliners and everything like that going to watch movies in public is terrible Somebody's always on their phone. Somebody's always getting phone calls. Somebody's screen is lighting up the auditorium. Like somebody's always getting up to rush out to, hey, hold on. Uh, hold on. I'm in a movie. Like it completely ruins the movie going experience. Like I, I would love to develop a technology that literally when you're inside of a movie theater, you just get zero cell signal whatsoever. And, you know, I'm sure that would lead to lawsuits because people would like not learn about car accidents their families were in or whatnot. Right. But I mean, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, you had to wait till your movie was over to find out about that stuff. Like, I don't know. But I would love I, to find I, a technology. I remember, when that... I remember one time in the, when I was uh, still working at the theater, that, that actually came up because the technology was readily available then. And oh. I think it's the same arguments um, were being had is that if a doctor's in a theater and he you know, gets a page or, you know, you know that, that could lead to lawsuits. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I wish there was some way to do that. Like, and I, I something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot before is just how disenchanted I am now with the movie going experience, like at a movie theater. Like, I I don't watch stuff with the public. Like, I still just watch it by myself and whatnot. Um, but I just the the times that I do have to watch stuff with an audience, it's just so miserable that it makes me just not care about going to the movies anymore. So I wish there was some way to like get back like how much i loved it in like the 80s and 90s and and even the early 2000s like before everybody became attached to their cell phones the way they are like it was just such a better experience in my opinion back then all right the final question of the the hurwitz uh questionnaire the perfect movie is dot 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 anything anything that allows me to just check out for a while i like that um it, it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not a genre thing. It's, you know, it's not a substance thing, you know, just something that allows me to like, just check out and engage it. You know, if I'm being constantly, you know, jarred or, or if it's not grabbing my attention, um, then it's, then it's not worth it. Very, very good answer there, man. Well, I appreciate your time tonight answering these 17 questions. Uh, the last 17. thing that why an odd number? I, I don't know, man. That's a Troy slash Josh Horowitz thing. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure where the 17 came from. Um, but the last thing that I've talked to both uh, Troy and John Petty about at the end of, of talking to them is just, uh, and I actually honestly just started going into it a minute ago. Um, Troy admitted to Jason and I that he does not love film the same way that he did 12 years ago. He's, he's fallen out of love with film because he feels like film just doesn't have anything to offer him anymore. He doesn't care about superhero movies or explosions or anything that Hollywood is pushing these days and so he has he has a lot of trouble like you know being a cinephile and caring about film like he's he's apparently obsessed with rap music these days which was a fun conversation to have with him but like how how do you feel in the last 12 years since we did this in 2009 
how do you feel that your life has changed in regard to film? Like, do you still love going out to the movies or, or, I mean, obviously COVID screwed everything up, but before COVID, like, would you still have like family movie trips where all six of you would go to the movies together or five of you? Yeah. I was like, no, first of all, it's five, but yeah, five. Um, so actually it's, it's, but I just had a, I was just talking about something similar uh, with, with uh, people from work and cause they know I, I, you know, did the movie thing and, and I was like, you know, this, uh, and it's specifically about the pandemic, right? Like all the, you know, all these movies, cause we're sitting there talking about movies that, you know, they're like, oh, not, you know, COVID's lifting, you know, how long is it going to take for movies to get back out? And I'm like, they've got Fast and the Furious in the can. They've got, yeah. you know, um, they got another Marvel movie in the can. Black Widow. You know, these movies are going to come out. And I said, but is it like, I was almost equating like, could this be like an American new wave? Like, oh, all the, okay. you know, like, like things have been shut down so much. Yeah. And when they open back up, are we going to have like a whole new, I, I don't know if it's going to be like the French new wave, right? You know, like that. <laughs> that's what I was, I was about to say. I think that's what you're starting to reference maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an American new wave, like, you know, all these new movies coming out and um, is that kind of people have been pent up, they've been cooped up. Um, but is that enough of a draw to go back to a theater? I, I right. think, I don't want to say the soul of Hollywood is gone because I'm sure they said that in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s that everybody's always said, well, the soul of Hollywood is gone. But it really is, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I don't know when it went away. It definitely wasn't, you know, anytime recent. It's just, what is there? Ew. What what's what substance do they offer other than camp? You know, campiness. There's nothing really provocative. There's no. What what's new? You know, who who are the new? Who are the young guns coming out with new content, new stories? Sure. Not new content, but like new stories. I mean. And crap, everything's remade. I mean, they got they had to put the Mighty Ducks back out, you know, they had to reboot <laughs> the Mighty Ducks series, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, um, that's the other that's the other kind of problem with Hollywood these days is it's literally it's either a remake of something from our childhood, it's a sequel, uh, or in you know Fast and the Furious case, the ninth or tenth movie in the franchise, um, or it's based on a, a cartoon, a video game, or a Disney ride. Like, there's there's like 1% of shit that's coming out these days is actually original content, like stuff that I haven't seen before. And even if I've kind of seen it before, like at least they try to put a different spin on it or do, or do something different with it. But I mean, when you're just like, you know, taking, taking an old, you know, movie and then just gender swapping it, like the, the she's all that remake that's coming out where it's, you know, a girl who turns a boy into prom King this time, like, okay, like, I've already, I've already seen that story. Like you gender swapping, is not going to make me like give a shit about this movie. Like come so up really with a new and really original idea. What's that? I said, that's really all they have. I mean, it's come back, yeah. remember, you know, like gender swapping or, or <clears throat> making the exact same movie with a different color cast. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, it's like, it's the exact same movie, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, so and it's just, I, I want more, like, I mean, like, and that's like, uh, Jordan Peele is, is a great person working in Hollywood right now. Like his movies, the last couple that he's done or produced have been brilliant because they are there. And I'm not saying it's stuff that I've never seen before, but I've never seen them done the way that he and his like people that work with him have been doing their stuff. So like Jordan Peele's movies are super interesting to me. And I, I always am excited for anything that I see that he's a part of because I have a feeling it's going to be something that I haven't seen before or at least presented in a way that I'm not used to. So, like, we need more people in Hollywood, like Jordan Peele, that are doing, like, genius, like, level stuff, in my opinion. And there's just, there's not a lot of him running around right now. 
No. So I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't say like the experience is gone. Like I want to be able to take my kids to a theater. I don't know if Joshua, Joshua can't sit for more than five minutes, right? But sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to go back out to a movie, it'd be fun to get all the popcorn. That's like, it's all part of the fun, right? Um, like a year from now, a year uh, from now, when theaters are back to, you know, as normal as they're going to be or whatever, do you think either A, you'd ever take your family out to another movie as a family thing? Or do you think maybe you and Ginny may ever just do a date night at a movie? Or do you just prefer staying at home and watching stuff at home now? It doesn't everybody, you know? I mean, I do. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, that's what all the, I mean, that's why everything is streamed now. Everything you got, you know, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, HBO. Sure. Like all these movies are coming out. Is that model going to go away? I don't think so. No. I think that you know when they're looking at their 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 revenue, their people are they're I had to spend twenty bucks extra on my Disney Plus to get the live action Mulan, which was really good, by the way. Oh yeah, I still haven't watched it yet. I, I'm sure uh, I'll see it when it's not the pay extra. It's a, you know, it. it's a remake. It's still yeah. one of those movies. It's like hey, it, it had some different twists in it, right? Okay. And it was good. Um, it wasn't just you know. The same as the cartoon so no i think i think we'll we'll still go to the we'll still go to a movie like i'll take you know the girls out to the next disney movie right they okay can, rather than stream it at home which we you know we can do still do sure. a date night yeah absolutely well that's good that that makes Maybe me a bro here. night how about that yeah i'm down for a bro night man we'll find i'm talking uh, about we were talking about other people Jason and I just had a bro date night. Well, it, I called it a date night, but there was like five of us that went. We met down at a movie theater, the new one downtown. That's the the bar movie theater. We did the uh, aisle lighting, all the all the little LED lights. Really, the at the living room lounge? Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, we got stuff all over Bottle Works in that area. Yeah. Dude, you guys. I mean, there's a lot of like Jason and I actually had a conversation about the lights while we were walking down there because I was like, yeah, they were like the the like in the hallways and around yeah, the, the arches yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Dude, that's, well, I'm, I'm glad to know that you did it. I'll let Jason know that you did it. But yeah, we were having comments about it because I was like, did, I, I liked the the feel that it, it gives in the theaters. It makes me feel like it's like an old time, like, you know, the 1950s movie theater with the way they have their lights done. Yeah. So that's a whole different conversation. That was a project and a half. But <laughs> I bet. Well, we'll meet down there. We'll get some beers and you can tell me all about it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll watch a movie, maybe, or we'll just sit in the bar. Or maybe, or just a... <laughs> we'll just sit there and drink and talk about it. Well, dude, like, thank you very be really much. Great to watch a movie here. What's that? Is it? It'd be really great to watch a movie here someday. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, dude, really great having you on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, going down this memory lane trip with me. Thank you for the nice things you said about consternate. I appreciated them then. I appreciate them now. And uh, we're gonna find another time to bring you back on the episode. Yeah. We'll make sure Jason's on the episode then, so you guys can talk. You know, you know what we'll I have to do. Uh, like in seven years, we'll have to have this talk again when Claire's finally allowed to watch Consternate. Oh yeah, that would be great. I'd love to see Consternate the next generation. Like we'll show <laughs> it to your kids, we'll show it to Jason's kids, and we'll let them make fun of us. Um, and dude, now that I realize that this is technically the second Shane Talks episode you've been on because the uh, the Consternate reunion was a uh, presented oh. by Shane Talks that we did last August. I didn't even know you're recording it until you said, "Now I'm going to record this," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah we recorded that whole thing and put it out as an episode also so right on man well thank you very much for all your time tonight and everybody that's listening thank you so much for your time uh listening to zach and i go down memory lane and talk about stuff we will talk to everybody later have a good night cheers